Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato with my colleague, Mary Gamba. Mary, you get particularly excited. I, I mean, do. you're always up for every Lessons in Leadership show, but when we're talking to a leader in the field of animals and related fields, you get particularly excited. Why is that? I do get particularly excited. So for anybody that has followed Lessons in Leadership for the past, gosh, Steve, five years plus, um, everyone knows I am passionate not only about animal rescue, but one day I hope to either open my own rescue or lead some sort of a foster organization. I just find that being an advocate for those, uh, and in this case, four-legged those uh, who can't advocate for themselves is just so important. So, On that note, introduce our very special guest with a very special book. Oh, yes, definitely. Today we have Kara Ochterberg, president and co-founder, Who Will Let the Dogs Out? And this is part of our special series, Animals in Focus. We'll be sharing this with our sister series one-on-one -on -one as well, just to get the word out again about the importance of animal rescue. Kara, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Kara, the main message in this book is 100 Dogs and Counting, One Woman, 10,000 Miles, and a Journey into the heart of shelters and rescues, please. Main message. Main message is that the problem in this that is primarily in the South of uh, dogs suffering and dying in our shelters is a solvable one. And um, I believe it starts with awareness that more people need to know what's happening down there and how they can help. Mary. Yeah, definitely. And Kara, I had actually uh, mentioned to you right before we got on the air, I had listened to the audiobook and just hearing you talk about the stories, what more can, obviously, we're a leadership show, we're a communication show. And in order to advocate for others, you need to be a great leader, a great communicator. What more can and should our leaders be doing now that you've gone down, you've seen these shelters, you've seen some of them are doing a fantastic job. Other ones really are trying, but they just don't have the right tools. What more can and should our leaders be doing to advocate more for dogs, both in New Jersey and across the country? Um, you know, it starts with good dog laws. That's one really important piece. It shows that we value their lives. Um, New Jersey do does have some pretty good dog laws. And so you're ahead of the game there. And, and much of the South, there is not that. Um, we need to have uh, animal animal sheltering as kind of a, you know, I, I believe it's something that we all should have as taxpayers, we should be paying for this. It's a service that we all should have available to us and um, shelters should be a resource for people. And in much of the South, there just aren't shelters and it's not part of the game in Georgia, Mississippi, Tennessee, they still have dog pounds. They don't have shelters in some counties, they don't have anything. And um, so it starts with just believing that this is, this is a right. I want to say that um, this is something, a service that we need to provide our citizens. They should all have the access to a shelter, to that resource. Yeah. And obviously you started with one dog. You fostered one dog. Where did your passion come from to take that risk to have hundreds over? I'm not, and let's clarify for anybody watching, you didn't have a hundred at once, obviously. It's not like you had a hundred <laughs> dogs in your house at one time. Uh, can you just talk, I have two questions and I always hate doing two questions. Where does your passion come from? And just tell us about one of the dogs that really just inspired you the most. By the way, that was my question about your passion. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing. Kara, one thing I do need to share, Steve and I have worked together now for 23 years, so we often share a brain. So I'm excited that I finally get to ask the question that people want to hear before <laughs> Steve gets to ask the question. So, Please, Kara. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that passion comes from meeting these dogs. Like I was not a crazy dog person when I brought in that first foster dog. It was kind of selfish. The reason I did it was our family was looking for a dog and I 
couldn't decide on any of the ones we met. So I said, well, let's foster and we'll just try these dogs out, you know, sort of audition them and pick one. Um, but then once I learned what was happening and how many dogs um, we could save, I couldn't keep one. I just kept doing it. And and the more I learned, the more passionate I got. As, as, you know, as everybody always says, you know, they don't have a voice. Someone's got to be their voice. And lots of people are working for, for this cause, trying to rescue dogs. And, and I've, I'm trying to add to that. I mean, my passion is just that I want to save another one and I want it to change. I believe it can change. I've seen places where even in the poorest parts of this country, they're saving every dog and I believe it can happen. And so I guess my passion comes from, I see this as a fixable problem and we should fix it. Like it just shouldn't be going on. These animals should not be suffering. And so that that's kind of what drives me because I believe with all my heart that we can fix this and that it's not acceptable. And so much can be done. It's not even that complicated. So and I, what was the second question? Oh, I just wondered, I, I think there was, I'll let Steve talk though. We can go back to the other question. In well, a thank you for letting me talk, Mary. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but Kara, since we're taping this for Lessons in Leadership and we will show it, uh, I believe on one-on-one -on -one as well. Here's what I'm curious about. So I've always said that to be a great leader, I've always believed that you have to have tremendous passion for something, someone, to some cause, whatever it is. Have you always seen yourself as a leader or did that come from you finding out the degree of passion and commitment you had to rescuing these dogs? You know, I think I've always been a leader because I get really 150% into things when I believe in something, when I think that I can make a difference, um, then I'm fired up to get other people on board and, um, and, you know, I, I've just, you know, if you get 100% behind something and you share that enthusiasm, it's contagious. It's really contagious. And I guess that's kind of where, you know, where I go with lots of different causes, but the dogs have sort of consumed me of, you know, because I've been able, I've been able to see it happen. I've been able to see lives changed. I've been able to see dogs saved. And because of that, it just drives me to do it more and more. Hmm. Uh, Mary, the part, the other part about Kara that you've been pushing, and, and yeah. rightfully so, is the motivational, inspirational leader part of it. Please, Mary. Mm -hmm, definitely. And Kara, your other book, and that's what's so amazing. And Kara, I know you also have these books, but you're also a novelist as well. But one book in particular, Live Intentionally, 65 Challenges for a Healthier, Happier Life. I, for one, follow you on social media. I love your daily affirmations. I sent one to Steve this morning, as a matter of fact, and said, let's just make this a great day. Say what, is, say what, is, what is the affirmation? Go ahead, Mary. Well, I'd have to go to my phone for today's affirmation, but I do have one example in here, which literally is today is a great, to be, great day to be flexible. And every day, Kara shares another, today is a great day to be alive. Today is a great day to be grateful. So we talk a lot about leadership, well-being, and that connection between wellness. How important is it to really set an intention for the day? I believe it 100% that you should have an intention every day. I, I think living intentionally makes life so much more real and you can have a bigger impact on everyone around you and, and you can definitely be happier and healthier, but you've got to be intentional. You can't just float through your day, you know, not paying attention to the little stuff and the people around you and not listening. If it, But if you set an intention every day and kind of focus on that, it breaks it down a little bit. So every morning when I walk or run, um, I think about like what today, what, what do I want my intention to be today? And, and then I 
you know, work towards doing that all day long. Yeah, real quick follow-up on that. We, we talk about that a lot. You know, attitude is everything. We talk about so mm-hmm. many people who've overcome so many challenges. And I always think of our good friend, uh, Eric Legrand, and you should look at Lessons in Leadership, past episodes, Eric Legrand, um, a great entrepreneur, a former athlete, a football player at Rutgers University, <clears throat> injured in a 2010 game against Army, paralyzed and has been in a wheelchair ever since, but his attitude is extraordinary. He is always positive. He's always upbeat. And it doesn't mean he doesn't have down days and down times, but he makes a difference every day. And he's very intentional. And along those lines, Carrie, here's my question. How do you deal with your down? You don't have to be Eric Legrand to to experience adversity. And and it's hard to even relate to how positive he is given what he's faced. My question to you is, how do you stay positive when you're not feeling positive? I'm being dead serious about that because I struggle with that on my end. You know, that's a, I was just thinking about this. So it's an interesting that you would ask, um, you know, stuff happens every day and definitely when you're working with animals, stuff happens every day that maybe you didn't want to have happen and hard things. And I think if you can just say, okay, so that happened, that was a fact. I, I don't have to let that dictate my emotions for the day. I can just accept it and that's what it is and not get into the drama of, oh, this is awful and I'm sad or I'm mad or I'm, you know, if I can just, you know, just observe it and be like, okay, so that happened, uh, you know, that dog did whatever it did and like of late, I've got puppies here. Okay, so that room is an absolute disaster zone and it's gonna take me 20 minutes to clean that that mess up. But that doesn't mean I have to be in a bad mood for the day. It's just a fact, just part of the day. So. Um, that's, that's how I, you know, life's too short. I, I don't want to spend it being upset and getting dramatic in my emotions about things that aren't that important. Mary's loving what you're saying right oh, now. I, I, I could sit here. <laughs> why I is that? Oh, I just, well, I'm so inspired and Kara, you are the exact reason why I am so inspired every day. I, I just recently, I had shared with Kara, I have an animal, a dog, Harley. Uh, we'll put her photo up as well. And we'll put up a photo of your dogs too, Steve and Kara, you can share some photos, but literally having that rescue dog has gotten me to just open up my eyes about, I swear they know, I swear she looks at my eyes and she's like, thank you. Thank you for rescuing me. She came from South Carolina from a high kill shelter. I was fortunate enough. I actually found a news story that featured her on Carolina today. Nobody wanted this dog and I feel so blessed to have had her. So I'm just smiling ear to ear. So I'm just really excited. Mm -hmm. And I just have one final question for you, Kara. We often ask who really taught you the most, like who made you the leader that you are today? But I want to twist it a little bit. What has been the greatest leadership lesson that the dogs, whether it's your own or others, what leadership lesson have dogs taught you? Wow. Dogs teach me so much about resilience. And, um, you know, they take, I meet dogs when I'm on a shelter tour and I've been now to over a hundred shelters and I meet so many dogs that have just had it all just so badly. And and yet they still, you know, they lift your hand, they, they come right back They're The resilience is just it's outstanding, you know, and if, if you can't be resilient, then you, then you're, you're not going to make it in this world. So I, I would say that that's a really important piece. You can be tired, you can be aggravated, you can be all so many things, but at the end of the day, you got to keep moving forward and let that leave that stuff behind. So I think dogs are an incredible lesson in resilience and forgiveness and continuing forward with that positive attitude. Kara, thank you. 
and not just for joining us, but um, to see Mary as passionate and enthusiastic um, as she is right now doing this, it reminds me that um, this is why we're we're partners because we have different interests and she brings on different people. And I'm glad she found you and brought you on. Thank you, Kara. Thank you. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Media, a print and digital business news network. Valley's all about making life easier for clients, and that's why we're all about smiles, too. So every day, we make it possible for home buyers to become homeowners, for folks chasing their dreams to become entrepreneurs, for parents to plan today for their children's tomorrow, and for communities to get better every day. You see, when we know we've put a smile on a customer's face, well, that puts one on ours, too. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato with my colleague, Mary Gamma. Mary, we're going to talk about wellness, the Wellness Leadership Connection, which is a chapter in the new book. Can we put up a graphic of the cover of the new book while I'm talking about it? And why don't I say the name of it? Do you know what it is, Steve? Lessons in Leadership 2.0, colon, the tough stuff. Because it is. Leadership is tough stuff. If there has been nothing that we have learned from all these years working together is that leadership is, it ain't easy. So what's the big di- biggest difference between Lessons in Leadership, the original, mm-hmm. and Lessons in Leadership 2.0, the tough stuff? Your, uh, your hair color will be much lighter on the new cover of the new book. <laughs> okay. Other than your hair color, we take a much deeper dive into the various chapters, right? We talk about grit. We were just talking about grit and resilience with Kara just a moment ago. We talk about uh, what we went through with COVID. We talk about challenging the status quo, even when things are tough, Right. Uh, We talk about uh, relationship building uh, with the hub and spokes model that we talk about in our mini seminars. So we really take a much deeper dive into the lessons you and I have learned in our 23 years together, the lessons we've learned overcoming adversity, uh, working through the pandemic, and also sharing a lot of the lessons that our partners have shared with us, uh, the gifts they've shared with us and the lessons they've learned as well. How long do you think it, it took from the beginning of talking about the book we're taping this right before the 4th of July. It'll come out later. And the book looks like it'll be out early fall, 2023. How long do you think beginning and end it took to write this book? I could tell you exactly, because we started in April, uh, right after the pandemic. So that was April 2020. So it's been three years and a few months. But as I forced you along the way, we had different uh, title names. We're like, oh, lessons learned from the pandemic. And then we realized that these aren't just lessons learned from the pandemic. There are lessons learned from our time together. There's lessons learned from raising your family, from me raising my family. 
and just the challenges we faced and overcoming obstacles. And I always say it's better to do something right than fast. And I love Barry. Barry, if you're tuning in, uh, he's the editor for our book and he keeps pushing us every week. Where are you? Where are you with it? And we just keep saying we want to get it right rather than fast. And that's exactly what we're doing. And I don't think it'll ever completely be done in my mind. And that's why we'll always have new chapters, columns, et cetera. But we will have a printed version in the fall. And before we go to uh, doing one of these mini seminars, lessons in leadership, mini seminars, this will be a mini seminar on the leadership wellness connection. You wanted to follow up on the conversation we just had with Kara. I did. Thank you, Steve. I would love to know the leadership lesson. We've talked about where we got inspired, who inspired us, whether it was our parents or somebody for me, it was my janitor way back in the day at uh, my elementary school, which they're closing down. I saw on Facebook the other day. It's really sad. They're turning it into like an office building. So sad. Um, but anyhow, what le- what leadership lessons have your dogs, despite the good, the bad and the ugly, what leadership lesson have your dogs taught you? Oh, sorry. Did I have to come up with that now? <laughs> yes. Hey, if you're, if you're able to put our guests on the spot, I can put you on the spot. Okay. You ready? It's all serious. So Pete and Champ are two dogs. Uh, Vinny passed away a few years ago, oh, which is, and then Vinny's younger brother, Pete, was alone. And within days, while our daughter, Olivia, and my wife were so upset, three days later, they were looking for another dog. And that's how we found Champ. So let me just say this. When I see Pete and Champ chilling all day, relaxing all day, they lick each other's ears and hang out and cuddle together. They've taught me how to relax more. In fact, Mm -hmm. Mary, um, Scarlett, do me a favor. Zoom in on this. What have our two dogs, Pete and Champ, taught me? They've taught me. Can you zoom in on that? I don't know if there's zoomability in the studio, but I, I get, I bet you that's a rock that says relax on it. It says relax. Yeah. Our dogs have taught me how to relax. Now you're going to say, I'll be, I'm actually being serious, Mary. When I see them chilling like that, I think I'm going to chill for a while. Yeah. No. And it's so true. And, and you know, now I know I that you're going to, I'm telling you, you're not impressed by that. No, I am. I, I'm actually going somewhere with this. I was going to say, Go I'm ahead. extremely impressed because literally they say, if you have high blood pressure, get a dog. If you pet a dog, it's going to bring your blood pressure down. They, they encourage you to be in the moment and be present and realize that, you know, so many times at night, like last night I was laying in bed and my mind spinning about the taping. And yes, I let my dog sleep in bed with me and she snores within 30 seconds. Oh, I swear. Back she- up, back up, back up, back up. <laughs> Your dog and your dog's name again is Harley. Harley. You didn't just say in bed with you, right? She sleeps in bed with me every night. Well, it's funny. We had an English bulldog that passed away when he was 10 and a half. He never slept in bed with us because he shed. And he was also an English bulldog. So there was no way he could jump on and off the bed. So the short legs, stout body wouldn't have worked. Harley, when we got her, same thing. We said no dogs in the bed. And after about a month, it was Bill, my husband, who's like, come on, she's so cute. And she doesn't shed. So literally, she's been in our bed ever since. Okay. Um, and so Harley has taught you what? Oh, I was just going to say, I know we only have a few minutes left. I know, well, not a few, but we definitely have a whole half a show left that we're going to talk about wellness. But talking but about I wellness. I can't get past the dog in the bed. But I know, I know. See, you learn. we still learn something new about each other every single day. But our dogs do sleep with Olivia because they go to the top of the steps, wait for her, and she sleeps better with them, right. and they sleep better together. 
Well, that's why there's therapy dogs or service dogs. I mean, dogs make us better people. And mine is actually very similar to you. And it's literally be grateful. I can't tell you whether I'm giving Harley a drink of water, if I'm giving her a treat, if I'm letting her outside, the body language of that tail wagging Mm -hmm. and just the, they are so grateful. If you say you want to take a walk, it's like, you might as give me a million dollars. I mean, they are so grateful just for you coming home and they teach me to be grateful and to see things yeah. from a different perspective. That's it. You know, Mary, before we talk about wellness, I'm going to say this. To listen to you talk about you and Harley and how Harley appreciates just going for a walk. Why don't we do this? Instead of you getting paid more money and asking me for more money and getting more bonuses, why don't we just go for a walk together? You'll be grateful. I'll be and grateful. And I don't have to pay you as much. Would that work? <laughs> Would that work? I'll, I'll wag my tail. Maybe I can get some more money. <laughs> See, it always comes back. She's a negotiator. I'm telling you. I'm a you. negotiator. Hey, if I'm going to open up an animal rescue or a foster dog or something, I need money. No money, no mission. I know. Hey, speak. money is money tied to, I know we're going to do the, the, what's the graphic called, Mary? The wellness. Uh, I'm calling it, yeah. Like, well, and again, we always end up changing it. The leadership wellness connection is what I was going with. Uh, the leadership okay. wellness connection. No, go with that. You ready? And we're going to put a bunch of things, a bunch of bullet points up. Yeah. Can, I'm going to do the first one. You ready? I'm ready. Wellness leadership connection. How much does, how much you make or money in your life connect to your well-being? Oh, that's a tough one. Well, that's not a tip or a tool, but it's a question. But I I don't know. Well, you want to know what's so funny? My perspective on that has changed. And I think that certain people start off needing money. I never started off needing money. I wanted to be a social worker, like right out of high school. I was going to go join the Peace Corps. I don't even know if the Peace Corps exists anymore. But of over... it does. <laughs> no, but I mean, in the same way, okay, like as ahead. an established organization, money, but trust me, as a, someone who's worked for you for over 20 years, I know you do. Well, so, now I do. And I'll tell you why, though, if I didn't well-being? No, in order to be able to put my kids through college. And I know that sounds crazy, but I said, no, you know, my my parents put me through college and mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to pay it forward and do that for my children. So I have to honestly say, if it weren't for that. You know, I don't think I would have asked for as much money because I'm like, I got to put my kids through college. It's expensive. But hold on. (laughs) Wait a minute. I'm I'm being dead serious about this. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying money makes you happy. I don't buy that because there are a lot of miserable rich people. That being said, is there something to be said for financial well-being? There is though. Yeah. Well, no, but it all, it's peace of mind. Definitely peace of mind. Cause if you're stressed, it could put strain on your marriage, your relationships. Exactly. So there's part of it, but for me, you and I have talked about this and this could be a second key to wellness is I wanted to hear that I was appreciated. I wanted to hear that I was valued. I wanted to hear that, you know, Steve felt like what I did was good. And of course that doesn't mean that you're not going to get the feedback, but that to me was more of a motivator than money for probably the first 10 to 15 years that we worked together. I wanted to be told and not, hey, you're doing a good job, but I wanted to feel that the work that I was doing was valued and valuable right. to the organization. All right. So let's do this. Yeah. Um, culture of wellness. We talk about promoting a culture of wellness. Yeah. Ready for this? We have a few minutes left. These bullet points. First one, offer flex time. Impact over activity. What do you mean offer flex time? Don't we have to have structured hours? No, no. I think that is a huge shift with switching to hybrid and some people going fully remote. Literally that extra flex time. If you have to go to a doctor's appointment, 
It's not checking a clock anymore. It's more about the impact that you were bringing to the organization rather than the activity that you were setting at your desk from nine to five. And you, you, one of the bullets here is, if possible, work remotely, at least hybrid. We've had so many people come on and say we need to be together physically in the mm -hmm. same office. And I don't want to rehash that. But if you can be if remote. Can, even a little bit. What is that hybrid. Yeah, but wellness is that you're not sitting in traffic, especially for anyone tuning in in New Jersey, unless you live in a bubble or maybe way, way down south. I know down by my dad in Jackson, there's not as much traffic. But anything from Route 287 north and west is a mess. So okay. that has a lot to do with wellness. Uh, next bullet up, reduce the number and length of your meetings. Can you see that, Scarlett? Yep. I said survived another meeting that should have been an email. Mary, mm -hmm. what does reducing the me number of meetings, length of meetings have to do with well-being? Yeah. Well, two things. If you're not getting up and moving around, if you're not being engaged, if you're just sitting in a meeting that you're not participating in, if you could have just sent an email, all of that contributes to your wellness 100%. Next one, family first. Really, Mary? Family yeah. first? Yeah. I'll tell you something. We used to say it back in the day, 20 years ago when we started working together. And I think you and I were both like, ah, do you think, you know, I'll make up a name like, <laughs> you know, do you think George is really sick or is he just milking the fact that we, you know, but I, I swear once you truly let people know that you mean it, if a person needs a day, a week, whatever it is, family does come first. And by you giving that to your team, they're going to mm -hmm. give back to you tenfold. And Mary, you said this, uh, this is one of the other bullets that'll come up because you talked about recognizing team members for a job yeah. well done. You don't, you've often said you don't need a lot of praise or recognition, unlike some other people, otherwise known as me. So uh, that being said, how much does that matter to our team members and their well-being if you tell them, hey, you kick butt, great job? Yeah, it does. Because we're very much about giving feedback when things go wrong. Everybody should be, right? We're all looking for ways to grow and to learn. But you also need to then uh, balance that out with the positive feedback and just go out of your way to really let people know how much you appreciate them. Real quick, and this isn't in one of the bullets that you presented to me, set time to exercise. Physical well-being matters. But then I want to mm -hmm. talk about uh, real mental health real quick. Set yeah. time to exercise. It's what does just, that mean? And exercise, it doesn't even mean that you're going to go to the gym for 10 hours. Exercise could just be that you're going to get up and walk around the block. It could just be that you're going to do a couple of crunches. My dad does 50 push-ups push every single night before he gets in the shower. 50 push-ups. He's going to be 83 by the time this airs. He's 83 years old. Do something to get your body moving. It doesn't have to be some crazy Pilates or anything like that. Well, I do Pilates, but it's not crazy. It's <laughs> Thank you, Barbara. Uh, my Pilates instructor. Mary, I didn't mention this uh, in the graphic before when we were prepping for this. Be aware of your mental well-being. Yeah. Yep. And, and that to me means if you need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody. If it's on a weekly basis, if it's on an as-needed basis, you need to have people in your orbit and the stigma around mental health needs to, and I think we're definitely going in a better direction. I think that everybody's being more open since COVID yeah. of the challenges. And so your mental well-being is just as important as your physical well-being. We'll talk about this in greater length on a future show that I've, I said to Mary, should I be more open and upfront, including in this new book, uh, Lessons in Leadership 2.0, the tough stuff about some um, issues that I have faced around depression. I don't even like saying the D word, depression. Wow. Yeah, I said yeah. it. It's Does that okay. make it official? It is a safe space. And yes, it's official. And then the last one here, let it go. Avoid the blame game. Got to let the show go too. What do you mean let it go? Yeah, you just got to let it go. I always say it's going to bother you more than it's bothering the other person. It's going to eat you up. It's going to fester and nothing good's going to come of it. So just move on and let it go. And as Elvin's telling us, we need to let this show go. 
We're letting it go. <laughs> Namaste. You See you time. next time. <laughs> this edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Pregramatis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Media, a print and digital business news network. making life easier for clients. And that's why we're all about smiles too. So every day we make it possible for home buyers to become homeowners, for folks chasing their dreams to become entrepreneurs, for parents to plan today for their children's tomorrow, and for communities to get better every day. You see, when we know we've put a smile on a customer's face, well, that puts one on ours too.